You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many questions as possible. So I've been doing something in my class, and I believe it's just amazing. Unbelievable. My results, it's, I couldn't ask for something better. Um, every year, every class has its own uh, strengths, its own weaknesses, its own things that have to be taken care of. And my class this year um, needs to learn, and they're really learning amazing, uh, to be inclusive. In other words, recess is not just, you know, your four, six uh, super athletes and everybody else can sit, sit on the side and watch. That's not what recess is supposed to be. Certainly not for third graders, right? You know, recess is where we're all supposed to be playing together. If somebody wants to play, even if they're not a good athlete, even if it messes up the balance, um, we got to work it out. We got to be inclusive. A guy wants to come and play, got to let him play. And on the other extreme... Um, if you're unhappy with how things are and you quit, then that will just destroy the whole game. you got to learn not to quit. you got to learn to play even though teams are not as fair as you would like. you got to learn to let people play even though you won't get as many chances. That's part of being social, of being nice, of being friendly. You, we, we need to learn, certainly at a younger age, the younger the better, to play nicely, to be a nice person, to be friendly, to be sharing, to be inclusive. So, and we have a social worker in school, and I've been working with him. Um, but the English teacher really was the one that came to me, and she wanted to really, you know, push the envelope. So what we started uh, a couple weeks into the school year, we started by really demanding that everybody gets to play. You don't want to play, you don't have to play. But you are not destroying the game for anybody else. In other words, if you quit and three people follow you, you lose, right? I'm going to come down, right? We're gonna, you're going to be standing for the rest of recess. You won't be able to play for a few days. Right? We're, and at the same, uh, on the other side... Somebody who comes and asks to play, you have to say yes. There is no such thing as saying no. You don't get to say bring a partner. You don't get to say you came late. Um, you, you don't get to say no. You don't get to say I don't like you and, and, uh, and uh, you're bothering me and therefore I'm not letting you play. You can't do it. And that was how we started. And then we brought in the social worker and we had the social worker start to discuss with the boys what's hurtful. Right, and that was, we know that children, when they're younger, are selfish. We know we're not we're not fooling anybody. They're children, right? They're supposed to grow and develop and become social beings. We know that. 
But um, even children can understand that certain words, certain phrases, certain ways of acting are just very, very hurtful. And you have to learn what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and you got to be taught what's hurtful. If you don't, if, if I don't teach you what's hurtful, it's nice that I can expect you, you should have known, but really, really, a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old, if we don't teach them, what makes you think they would know? How should they know this is hurtful? One of the things they tell people all the time now, especially with bullies, is you have to actually say the words, I do not like when you do this. It's really hurtful. And when you do that to me, it hurts my feelings. It makes me feel bad. And I know some of you say, oh, who cares? But, but most people do not want to hurt people's feelings. They just don't realize that's what's happening. So a couple weeks ago, um, I was in, we may have talked about it. Um, I was in New Jersey. I had a, uh, a bris for a, for a grandchild. I told my principal, you know, I would like to see other schools. I would like to see what happens in other classrooms. So one of the classrooms I was in, we had an interesting conversation. Um, they have the same problem. And they deal with it a little different. What they do is there is one game by recess. Today we are playing soccer. Today we are playing baseball. Today we are playing soc- uh, basketball or or kickball, or whatever game they're playing. There's only one game. You don't have to play, but you cannot make another game. That's how they deal with it. You can't, there's no, um, in my class, I let them have different options. It's as long as you're not destroying the game. I don't care that these guys want to play a dodgeball and these guys want to play football. Like, what's the difference? But in, theirs, in, in this school, the rule is that one game per recess, that's it. That's not what I took, at least, but at least I knew they have the same issue. What they do is, um, when they come back from recess, the teacher, the Rebbe, says, okay, who said something nice today? And he only calls on about four boys. Uh, I said, good shot. I said, nice try. I said, don't worry, next time you'll figure it out, or next time you'll be better at it. Now, in the school I was in, you get a prize with the school both schools I visited basically get a prize for like breathing right oh good answer come and take candy oh good answer come and take a treat oh good answer here's a card or a sticker I don't do that stuff I don't give out prizes for every little thing generally speaking I find in my classes all I gotta do is say great that's amazing I'm so proud of you I love how you did that that really works for me but I took it a step further. Now, I haven't figured out what my prize is yet. I've got to really figure something out because the boys have responded way better than I ever could have imagined. What I do is um, I ask the class. I tell them what we're going to do. I said, I don't know the prizes yet. Um, tell me something you said nicely by recess. And I was expecting good pass, good shot, nice try. You'll do you'll do better next time, and I am getting those responses. But what's really amazing is boys are saying, "I really wanted to quit, but I didn't quit." Or boys will say, "Someone tripped, and I went over and I asked, are you okay?" Like, whoa, wow, amazing. Or, or a boy will say. 
he didn't know how to play, I taught him the rules. Or I didn't really want to let him play, but I let him join anyways. Right? In other words, that's what I want. I want the boys to recognize that, yeah, I don't always want to play. And I don't always want to be inclusive. But I'm going to do it anyways. And then when they hear me praise them and say, wow, that's, um, that's beautiful. That's showing concern. That's showing that you care. That's sharing. Yeah. He didn't have a ball to play with. I gave him the ball to play with. Right? It's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. So I am just, I am just sharing this with my amazing audience because it's something beautiful. It's, you know, sometimes we try different programs. We try this idea. We try the next idea. And I'm not saying this is the cure-all. But certainly we're on the right uh, path. And hopefully I'll come up with some type of prize. I, I think I really know what I want to do. I know the school somewhere has buried like a popcorn machine, like one of these big old-fashioned, you know, like uh, this big glass box and it just pops popcorn and popcorn. And But if I could figure out a way to like maybe get some toppings or something, I gotta, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I don't, I don't have it fully, you know, worked out in my brain. And not every boy has to participate. I just get as many boys who want, and I keep track. And it's interesting. But even the boys that are not good at every recess to come back and and say something nice, but you can see they try. Like, every once in a while, they'll say something. And and they're pumped about it. And, and if I forget, they say, Oh, Rebbe, you, you forgot to ask us... Um, what we said nicely, or could you please say it before we start the next lesson? And I do it. Yes, it takes me an extra five minutes in my day. It is so worth it, right? It's just so worth it. It's not, it's not wasted time. It's not lost time. It's beautiful. Okay. Um, before we go on, of course, to all my dedicated listeners, I, I know you guys love the show, and I do need your help. Um, to get the show to spread and, and, and pay for the expenses of, of the studio, um, I need you to please go to my homepage. Hit that donate button. Leave a name. Give you a shout out. Memory of. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. Whatever whatever works for you. Um, let's please get it done. And in advance, of course, I thank you. Okay. Let's get into the Torah portion. So... Just like I'm talking about with my class, we got two brothers. And these two brothers are fighters. And unfortunately, it's something that will continue till the Messiah comes. Judah and Joseph are just fighting. It's not to say Joseph doesn't try to get along. Um, but there's friction. There's Unfortunately, there's animosity. And throughout the Jewish people's history, there's hatred. And there's a lot of baseless hatred. And that hatred creates destruction. Because that's what hatred does. Hatred is fire. Now, fire used properly, you have a pot. Put the fire under the pot. Put water in the pot. You want to cook something. So fire is our most important tool, right? Anything, tools to be forged, anything that needs to be made, at the end of the day is almost always using heat, right? That's, that's fire. That's the beauty of fire. 
nobody wants to eat a raw steak, right? I'm going to go home tonight. We always have uh, um, wings. Tonight's like wings night or dramets. Like, you know, it's barbecue. Even, okay, it's 52 degrees outside, but even if it would be five degrees outside, we barbecue. Or I should say we. My wife barbecues, I eat. Um, but in any case, um, but fire is destructive, right? Everybody knows fire is massively powerful bombs, weapons, fire. Fire destroys. And what, what Joseph keeps trying to tell the brothers, right? Joseph goes ahead in this week's Torah portion. He says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? And the brothers don't even answer. Okay, famous question. Um, like, Joseph, weren't you paying attention? Like, the last... All we've been telling you is we have an old father at home, and he's going to be so sad, and he's going to die if, uh, if we don't bring Benjamin back, and it's the only child left from his favorite wife. And Joseph says, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? Like, what gives? Some say Joseph thought they were lying, that, uh, but they were trying to, you know... Uh, you know, uh, get him to let them go home, uh, even though, you know, they make up a story, our father's going to be sad, right? To try to to get some mercy out of this crazy ruler. So therefore, Joseph will ask, um, like, is he really still alive? But a more famous answer is Joseph says, you guys are such big talkers. You care about my father. Really care about my father? You think he's going to die if you don't bring Benjamin home? Why didn't you care about my father when you sold me? You don't really care about my father, do you? Because if you really cared, how is it possible that you were able to sell me? How is it possible? Fine, but let's, let's get past that. So, okay, so then we find the next group of verses. Joseph is busy telling his brothers... I am Yos- I'm Joseph. You sold me to Egypt. But you didn't really sell me. God sold me to Egypt. And he keeps repeating it. Why does he keep repeating it? Because he wants the brothers to recognize that God runs the world. And God wanted me to be down here. It's true that you did sell me, but... I, Joseph, have no animosity towards you. You are my brothers. I love you. Brothers are supposed to love brothers. That's the way it's supposed to be. Um, that reminds me of something. I should really just give myself a note over here. Um, yeah, that will help me. There we go. That's okay. We got a little note over here, and now I'm good to go. Anyways, ugh, not good. There we go. That's it. Okay. Anyways, Joseph is going to try to convince his brothers over now and continuously that I love you. I have no hatred towards you. I am not upset with you. God wants me to come down to Egypt. And that's why we're here. Not because you guys think you sold me, but because God wanted me down here. So I had to explain to my class, it's really very, it's an interesting phenomenon. If a poor person knocks on my door and says, please help, I am starving, 
could you give me something to eat? So I could say, look, sir, obviously God wants you to be suffering. So if I help you, then, then you're not getting the punishment that God wants you to get. That, of course, would be tragic and terrible and wrong. You see a poor person? I don't make a calculation. Well, that's what God wanted to happen. A guy falls off a cliff. I am not going to save that person. Clearly, that's what God wanted to happen to the person. No. My job, they actually say, is when it comes to helping another person, you are supposed to be a non-believer. I am a non-believer. I see you need help. I will help you. You need charity. I will give you charity. You need food. I will give you food. You need a hand up. I will help you get up. Because when it comes to helping other people, my job is to be a non-believer. I don't believe God's helping. It's all up to me. That's my attitude when I help you. But when I look at my life, then I'm supposed to say, this is what God wants. God wants me to be in this situation. So in other words, Joseph himself has to look at it and say that God wanted me to be in Egypt. So why would I blame anybody else for where I am? This is where God wants me to be. So why should I be angry at my brothers? However, the brothers who sold Joseph have to look at it and say, oh, we did something wrong. We are going to have to ask for forgiveness, right? You understand there's two sides to the coin. There's how I look at, at my life on, on what's happening to me. That's my attitude that God is doing everything he wants. Everything that happens is exactly what God wants to happen to me. And then there's the other side of the coin. But when I'm looking to help you, right? Somebody calls you up, right? I had a story. I told you a story months ago. During the summer, one of my kids was driving from Chicago towards New York and his car, his van broke down. And my kids were near, not really near, maybe an hour out of the way. And they all go an hour out of the way. You don't get to say, well, God obviously wanted you to suffer, so he made you break down on the highway. That might be true. And that might be how I have to look at what happens to me. But it doesn't mean I'm not supposed to come and help you out. Of course I'm going to come and help you out. That's what we're supposed to do. And we don't get to blame God and say, well, God, that's what you wanted. Well, too bad. I am not going out of my way to help you. No way. Right? Right? There's two sides to the coin. There's how I look what God is doing to me. And then there's when I see you need help, it is my job to help you. Which, by the way, explains very good. Um, after Joseph tells the brothers um, that he is not angry at them and he's not upset at them and they do not have to worry that he's looking to, um, to take his revenge... And now, you know, Joseph gives the brothers uh, clothing because they ripped their clothes when they sold the Yemen. Uh, well, I'm sorry, when, when they found that Benjamin had the cup. So they all ripped their clothing because they're so upset. So Joseph really was the cause of that. So Joseph has to give them new clothes, right? So when that happens, right, um, then it says Joseph gives Benjamin more clothes than the brothers. And, and it was uh, symbolic that in the future, uh, Benjamin will have a 
descendant that will wear five special clothes in front of the king. That's referring to Mordechai in front of Achashverosh by the Purim story. Um, but then it says Joseph gave money to his brother. And that, the commentaries don't really get so involved. They get involved in why Benjamin's getting more clothes than the brothers, and but the brothers aren't jealous because the brothers are all getting Armani suits and uh, and uh, and Benjamin is getting... Uh, you know, uh, off season uh, from the from the sales rack, right? So the clothes are all worth the same, but Benjamin needs more. But they don't talk about the fact that Joseph gives money to Benjamin. So I told my class today, and I think this is really the right answer. You know, hopefully, you know, in your family, because um, I know in my family you do it that way. You know, sometimes there's a sibling or two that uh, money that you know they have a hard time with money they 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 just have a hard time making ends meet and there are some siblings that are really quite well off so i know in different families that uh, the wealthy sibling is going to leave envelopes of cash in uh, in the drawers for the siblings to find you don't want me to hand it to you straight i'm going to leave it in your drawer and you know it came from me and I know you need it. And I'm the happiest, I'm the happiest person in the world to give it to you. Because you're down on your luck, you need some help. Or maybe you're not down on your luck, you just, this is the life you've chosen, so you're not going to make as much money. So I am happy to help you. And I've watched siblings that, you know, they've had times where there's no money in the house. And siblings help them out. And then there are times that those siblings that were one time poor... Uh, now all of a sudden, the money is rolling in. The cash is rolling in. They're doing fantastic. So what do they do? They turn around and they give money to a sibling that needs help. Because that's what family does. When one brother or one sister is not doing well and a different sibling is doing very well, so help him out. Like, come on. What do you, it really matters that your bank account has an extra $1,000? It really matters that uh, instead of 100000 in the bank, you only got 95000 in the bank, or only 90000 or only 80000 right? I'm not talking about that you're going to rack up your credit card because the other sibling's not doing well. You got money. You're doing well. Give a little bit. This is a season of giving anyways. Everybody knows that, right? And they will pay you back. They won't pay you back. Uh, they're lazy. Like, who cares, right? So Joseph has a brother. Benjamin is not one of the working brothers that's a shepherd. Benjamin stays home all day long and studies with Jacob. He's the real righteous one, Benjamin. So Joseph gives him money. No one is jealous of that. For whatever reason, the brothers and clothing clothing makes them jealous. Fine. But money doesn't make the brothers jealous. One sibling gives another sibling money. What is the big deal? Okay. Anyways, um, very, very fascinating with my time running out. Um, but let's see how much I can get through. So we talk about... The 70 souls, that's a level, right? We have the 
for the forefathers, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we have the 12 tribes, and then we have the 70 souls. That's a whole new level. And Dun has a son who's deaf. He has one child. The child is deaf. He's a cripple. And the verse refers to him in the plural form. So the Chavetz Chaim asks, why is that one single child of Dun who has his disability, he's deaf, why is he referred to in the plural as chushim? So Chavetz Chaim says, because there's nothing to talk about. Children with disabilities, parents have to work much harder. And for the most part, the parents can do it. The parents have the ability, and God gave them the ability, they can take care of this child that's crippled. But you should know that if the parent is not interested or unwilling to help this child, then it's God's problem. So there is a story told, hopefully I can get through the story, there's a story, there was a man, he had the perfect family. He was wealthy, and the family was, was healthy, and one daughter was better than the next daughter, and everybody was amazing, till his last daughter. His last daughter um, was crippled, and the story doesn't say exactly what the problem was, but she was crippled, there was some issues with her. And uh, as the father is marrying off his children, the first child, the second child, third child, all wonderful marriages, all wonderful children, all amazing. And when it was time for the crippled daughter, she goes to her father and says, what about me? And unfortunately, a very not intelligent father says, oh, we, you can't get married. Then there's got to be more of you. And you've got issues. And I don't want the world to have more of you. I'm very sorry. Terrible. Terrible. So she realized that from her father, she wasn't getting any help. So she went out on her own. And she found, she said, I'll marry anybody willing to marry me. And she actually found somebody willing to marry her. She went back to the father. You know, I'm getting married. The father says, no way. Don't you ever, don't you dare ever come to me and ask for help. You're not getting it. I am not going to be supporting you or your marriage. I want nothing to do with it. She gets married. And then the Holocaust comes. And the entire family is wiped out. Except for this crippled daughter and her husband. And they may have already had children. They are the only ones to survive. Because you think that you can have your perfect world. And God only wants a perfect world. But the ones that are a little bit imperfect... And you got to work a little bit harder. And uh, you're not, they're not going to be taken care of. God says, I take care of these kids. The ones that need more help, if the parents don't want to help, God says, I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to help them out. And, uh, and, that's, and that's why that Dunn's son, who is deaf, who is crippled, it is true that he needs much more help. That's why his name is plural. But the parents could do it. But if the parents don't want to do it, don't you worry, God will take care of it. But here comes the music, and I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do without you. Thank you for the production team. We have Alan in the back. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.